0: Beautiful rendition of I Surrender All there, and yeah, good to see you here this morning. Our reading is from Second Peter chapter 1. Last Sunday we talked about adding patience, and today we move on to adding godliness in our theme passage here, 2 Peter chapter 1, and yeah, we're going to read the first nine verses as we start. 2 Peter chapter 1, if you have a Bible and somebody next to you maybe doesn't. Uh, Try to allow him to look on so we can all get a good understanding of the Scriptures. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Let's pray together. Father, Work now in our time of worship today as we unite our hearts in purpose towards you. I pray that you would help us to understand godliness and to yearn after godliness in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Right after this song, we'll be looking at adding godliness.
1: You're you now if you walked into this place if you stilled the crowd if your light dispelled the gloom and if I saw your wounds touched your thorn pierced brow Would I know you now Would I know you now If you walked into this replace Would I cause you shame Would my games be your disgrace Or would I worship face, I wonder, would I know you now, or have the images I have painted so distorted who you are, that even if the world was looking, they could not see you? Changed your true reflection to fulfill my own design, making you what I want, not showing you forth divine. Divine, would I miss you now if you left? And close the door with my flesh Cry out I don't need you Anymore Or would I Follow You Could I be Restored I wonder I wonder Will I I wonder what I know you. Not?
0: Thank you, Brenda, for that song. Appreciate that. I don't know if you're like me on this. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and looked in the mirror and scared yourself? <laughs> Some of you have done it recently, apparently, because got a good chuckle out of that. But kind of thinking, "Whoa, who is that?" Um, the reflection is not what you remember, not what you see yourself in your mind to be. And a lot of times as we grow older, we still see ourselves as that young, um, handsome or beautiful person um, that can do just about anything. And uh, I was reminded yesterday, I played some, uh, shot some hoops with my boys yesterday. Oh my goodness. Um, They're only, uh, how old are you? (laughs) I'm losing my brain, my memory too, already 13 Um, yeah I got 13 and 14 year olds that I was playing basketball with and they're both taller than I am now which doesn't take much and I got to try to remind them of that but after playing just some shooting games with them for a little less than an hour my body was dead it was completely and I looked I walked by a mirror and my face was all red what happened And there are a lot of times where, where we think those things. My hair isn't supposed to be like that. I'm not supposed to have that many chins. Where did that wrinkle come from? I've never seen a blemish there before. And sometimes I think that God experiences something similar to this on a regular basis when His children, us, who are supposed to be reflections of His light and of His hope, look nothing like him in their lives. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. That's actually a quote from Titus 1.16 in the New Testament. And if you have kids, you are familiar with how God must feel on a much smaller scale. Have you ever had your wife or your husband say something like this to you? Look what your son did. Could you please talk to your daughter about her attitude? Or somebody uh, from the school or somebody in the grocery store says, Hey, isn't that your kid? And you look over and they're doing something that's not good, not even remotely good. Or you're walking through the grocery store And that pleasant reflection of you is screaming their lungs out. I want cake. I want cookie. I want cocoa puff. And a whole bunch of other seeds that they come up with. And I know there are times when you are tempted, and I'm tempted to walk off and temporarily disown your own flesh and blood. And I assure you that God must have felt the same way a billion times over. See, the goal of biblical Christianity is to produce men and women, boys and girls, who reflect the one true and holy God. This reflection is known in the Bible as godliness, or simply put, God-likeness. In our theme passage, we've seen over the last couple of months that as God's kids, We have been given everything, the Bible says, that pertains to life and godliness. We've been supplied with all that is needed for us to reflect our Father in heaven. And yet so often we fail to show forth His qualities. Sometimes we're great at play-acting, like we're God's children. But if we're not walking in the Spirit, it's not real. It's not an authentic godliness. And today I want to take you through the history of godliness. And a very simple message, hopefully, about the image or likeness of God. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. And we're going to start in the first chapter of the Bible. And we'll begin by talking about the likeness of God. The likeness of God. Genesis chapter 1. Gives us the event of creation. And let's go to verse number 26 and catch up with it there. This is on the sixth day of creation. Genesis 1 and verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And so the first human received life and likeness from God. Genesis chapter 1, the word God in English is the name in Hebrew, Elohim, the triune God. And as God speaks in Genesis 1, 26, we see that pronoun, let us make man in our image. And we see the the three in one speaking in the very first chapter of the book uh, Genesis and and, uh, of the Bible here. And uh, the man Adam was a created being. Notice they said he was a created being. Adam did not evolve out of an accidental explosion. Um, Adam did not uh, come through millions and millions of years of mutations that made him into a perfectly good being. He did not start uh, by growing some type of appendages in a chemical pool. He was created by God. And, uh, by the way, that is a fundamental doctrine of the Word of God. It is impossible, I believe, for anyone to say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I'm not sure about creation. That doesn't ring true. And when the Pope says there may be parts of evolution that could be feasible... He could be off on that. And I think we need to go back to the Scripture, and we need to look at it, and we need to make sure that we agree with what the Bible says over what any human says of any denomination. Do you know I looked up on the Internet? There are Baptists who believe in theistic evolution, just like there are any other denomination. And so please don't take what I just said as picking on a denomination today. What I'm saying is this. There is no human being with any theory that outweighs the Scripture. The Scripture has to be our go-to thing. And when the Bible says, in the beginning God created, it means it. And when we come along thousands of years later with the intellect of a pea, and say that we think that the days were a thousand years long each, and that maybe this happened, and it could be that God did this, and these were ages instead of days. We drastically go against God's Word. It takes a simple faith to believe in the Bible. It really does. And here, God created man. And Adam was created with God consciousness. He was given a spirit. Every one of us, when we were born, we had a spirit, but not the same as Adam's, and we'll talk about that in a minute. He was also given a soul. Um, he had self-consciousness. That's what a soul is. It's me thinking inside of myself. It's me being a, an actual being. And he also had world consciousness. He was given a body. And so man, Adam, was three in one. Made in the likeness and image of God. Perfect in every way. Adam received pure godliness. As a gift. His origin was the earth. Not heaven. Not another planet. Not Kolob, where some denominations say that we started. He was created by God in the Garden of Eden. The Bible is very clear on this. And even though he received godliness, he was not God. He had to receive it. Life had to be given to him. He had no creative power. The only power that he had was management power to manage God's assets. If Adam wanted to make a new animal that had been made at creation, he couldn't have done it. He had no creative power. If Adam didn't like the fruit selection in the garden, he couldn't say, hey, let's add another tree. He had no creative power, only management power. And that's important for us to realize as we talk through this. We we all know how it turned out. Adam was given one rule. And through his free will, he decided to turn away from God-likeness. The devil's greatest lie, and he talked to Eve about this, devil's greatest lie is that you can become a God on your own. You can become a God on your own. And his greatest lie is that that's what godliness is. Satan is the inventor of secular humanism. Satan is the inventor of progressive thinking. By the way, just to give you a little opinion and thought here, um, 30 to 40 years ago, the greatest fear in many right-wing circles or Christian churches was a word that started with a C. Communism Right? Communism How many remember back when We were seeing communists around every corner I remember when I was a kid uh, You'd better be It'd be better to be dead than red You remember all that stuff Um, And uh, what happened is The communists found out that nobody liked their word anymore And so they changed the word But not the definition And now Communism is just secular progressivism or liberalism, as we see in, in what's going on in our country. And uh, people, basically the thought is, you can become your own type of God. You can grow to some sort of godliness on your own. And that's what Satan's lie is. It's a blatant lie. And it always results in the loss of real God-likeness. And that's what happened to Adam. And, and so that's the likeness of God. It was there at the original creation. It was present in Adam. He had a perfect soul, a perfect spirit, and a perfect body. Literally, he really did. And then we see the second one, though, is the likeness of Adam. The likeness of Adam. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Adam sinned willingly. The Bible says that Eve was tricked, but Adam sinned willingly. And now I want you to go to chapter 5 in Genesis. God-likeness was stolen from man through sin. Let's go to Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through thi- 3. Come on, people, wake up. All right, l- look at this. Genesis 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And here's what we find out. The first couple's children were born in a different image than the one from God's creation. Let me explain the different image. They were born without God consciousness. So when you and I were born, we were born without God consciousness. We had a spirit that was not alive, a spirit that had never lived inside of us. Adam and Eve's children were born with a dead spirit, they were born with a self consciousness that was polluted by sin, a soul that was dead on arrival. That's how we were born. They were born with a world consciousness that was in charge of their beings, a body that was headed for death at the moment of conception. And you and I were born in this likeness. It's all bad news at this point. I hate to break this news to you today, but you were not born in the image of God. I know that some of you are just blown away by this. You were not born in the image of God. You were born in the image of Adam. We were born condemned already, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And even though we were born into sin, we've all chosen to sin as well. Not a single human being is born with God-likeness in fact, it's just the opposite. It's brutal to think about it, but this is a direct quote from Jesus himself in John chapter 4. Here's what he told him Ye are of your father, the devil. Ugh! You're of your father, the devil, and the less of your father ye will do. Now, how many of you have kids now that makes sense to you? You're of your father, the devil. I probably don't want to try this quote on at home on your own kids um, without explaining what it means. But when we were born as human beings, we were not born in the image of God. We were born in the image of Adam. We were born with parts that were imperfect, just like Adam's were. And that is how we came onto this planet. That's how we came into being on this earth. And that's all bad news. Both of those parts that we've looked at. But then I want to see this third part, the likeness of men. The likeness of men. So you've got the likeness of God and the likeness of Adam, but now the likeness of men. The great doctrinal passages of the scriptures describe for us the only way that we could get godliness back. God-likeness could only be reclaimed through a second Adam. Second Adam, Jesus Christ. But I want you to note the difference between the first Adam and the second Adam. The second Adam was not created. In fact, he is the creator. The second Adam is not from the earth. He is from eternal The second Adam was not given life. He is the life giver. He gives life and likeness to all who receive him. And I want to look at three passages that simply describe for us Jesus' willingness to be made in the likeness of men. He had to come and be like we are so that he could redeem us. It's a brutal, horrible thought. And yet it's what Jesus did for us. And so let's look at three passages. First, Philippians chapter 2 in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2. And you may be familiar with this passage. It talks about the mind of Jesus Christ. Philippians is a book that is after Ephesians and before Colossians. And as we uh, continue the message today, we're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures now. And so I really want you to focus in um, I know this is the part of the message where it's easy to kind of check out. I want you to check in right now, all right? So buck your seatbelt, check in. This is where we find the good news of the Scripture starting to come into play. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be to be. Equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Now look at this took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So, the likeness of men, Jesus had to be made in. He had to be made in the likeness of men, in the image of a man, in the body of a man. And we know that Jesus came to earth. In a manger, as a baby, through a virgin, we, we understand all of that. But the, the part of this I really want you to focus in on today is the godliness part. The god likeness part. Adam was made with godliness. Godliness was stolen away through sin. And now Jesus came to give godliness back. And uh, that's what we're going to see in Romans chapter 8 as we continue this. Romans chapter 8. So go back to your left, maybe about 15 pages, Romans chapter 8. One of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. We're going to look just at one verse now, and we'll come back to this chapter later. Romans chapter 8, verse number 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Here's the deal the law could not save anyone, the law could not put anyone into the image of God or the likeness of God, the law could only show us that we're sinners. Do you know that speed limit sign out on the road is only there to show you that you've broken the law? That's what it's there for. Now it's to keep us safe, of course, as well. But if you were honest, how many of you who have ever driven have ever gone over the speed limit? How many of you, you know the person just next to you just lied? <laughs> Anybody who's ever driven a a motor vehicle has gone over the speed limit. Now, some of you don't do it very often, and God bless you. You're the safe drivers, and you have the the good insurance rates, and and we're proud of you, and we love you. But the, the law was never given to help us get to God. The law wasn't there to perfect us. The law was there to show us we're imperfect, and when you begin to look through just what the Ten Commandments are, you will understand that we have all, at some time or another, broken the Ten Commandments. And not just one. Some, some of us have broken all ten. You say, I've never killed anybody. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm not sure who we're looking at today ever kill anybody you know what Jesus said if you hate your brother you're a murderer if your kid brother has ever taken something from you and you felt hatred in your heart that is the same sin as murder now I could really go out on a limb here and say this if you have a brother you're a murderer if you have a brother you've hated him before All right, except for my little sister back there. She's never hated her brother. Never once. Never did anything mean to her at all. Just to my other three little sisters. Um, How many of you have a brother? Okay. How many of you have a sister? Do you know that sisters are also available for hatred? Now, I've never been a sister But I have sisters, and, and I, I just know that there are things that you could hate sisters for. Tattling. Tattling's a big one. Um, pulling the hair. When they're fixing the hair, I remember my wife, she has four sisters, and she tells me that when her older sisters used to fix her hair, that they would pull her hair as they brushed it. I have never thought of a more hateful thing in my life than that. It's just brutal what we do to each other in humanity. You know, every one of us has broken the Ten Commandments. And they weren't there. They weren't given by God to perfect us or to give us eternal life. And if you've heard that before, I don't want you to be confused. But that's not what they're there for. They're there to show us that we need a Savior that there's nothing in our own power we can do to get to God. There's no water that saves us. There's no work that saves us. There's no church that saves us. And by the way, if you think being a Baptist will save you, when Jesus comes back, you won't even make it to the ceiling. And we have no power in a church to save us. It's only through the likeness of men. As Jesus came... And was born in the likeness of man. And here we found that as God sent His Son in that likeness, that that's what condemns sin in the flesh. Now I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And that's the next book to your right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read two verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, How many of you know the... Christmas carol, hark the herald angels sing. You guys know that one? Um, It has some great theology in it. Charles Wesley wrote that. And in the second or third or fourth verse, one of the verses, I don't remember which one it is, it talks about the second Adam from above who could reinstate us in God's love. And that's what 1 Corinthians 15 is talking discussing. So, First Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since by man, Adam, came death, by man, Jesus, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now Romans 5.19 says it this way, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And through Adam's sin, God-likeness was taken from the human race. But through Christ's sacrifice, it was restored. Grace entered the scene. And now God-likeness, godliness, Godliness, is available to all who receive him. Yes, him. Jesus is godliness. And that's what I want you to kind of grasp as we get to this last part. Godliness is not a thing, it's a person. Godliness is the person of Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 1 Timothy comes after a tiny book called 2 Thessalonians. And I hope you find it. I'm going to give you a second to find it because I, I want you to really look at this verse and be clued in on what God is talking about to us. Because the likeness of man becomes the likeness of God's Son, which is the fourth part of our message. The likeness of God's Son. And we see likeness and godliness continue to be defined for us in the Bible. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory godliness, the mystery of godliness, is now offered to each believer to experience firsthand. Colossians 1, 27 says it this way, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is godliness. The power of God's Son living inside Of you. In a moment, we're going to come back to Timothy. You may want to keep a marker or finger there. But go to Romans 8 again. And this time, we're going to look at verse number 29. And we're looking at a lot of scripture for a Sunday morning, and I understand that. But this is a deep doctrinal topic, and we have to go to God's word for it. Romans 8. And if you're there, we're going to look at verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to... Look what it says next. The image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The ultimate prize of salvation, of justification, of godliness is to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be the reflection of Jesus Christ. The moment you trusted Christ, if you have, you receive the assurance that you will someday be like Him. First John says, We'll be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. But in the present tense, God wants us to be sincere about living God-like lives. And so that takes us back to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And keep working hard on, on getting to these verses. I appreciate all of your hard work today. 1 Timothy chapter 4. How many of you would say that you exercise? Now you can do it by your own definition, right? How many say that you exercise at least once a week? Exercise at least once a week. Okay, how many of your definition is lifting your fork to your mouth? <laughs> okay. Um, I don't even know what exercise qualifies that. If it's 15 minutes on a treadmill, or if it's a walk around the block, or if it's walking into the restaurant, or walking back out of the restaurant, there's exercise involved. Um, but the Bible talks about exercise, believe it or not, in First Timothy 4, verse number 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Look at the very next verse. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. So it talks about exercise. Now, don't, don't think that I'm preaching against exercise here. The Bible says that exercise, bodily exercise does profit a little. It does. But God-likeness is profitable in every part of your life. God-likeness will make you a better father or mother or husband or wife or single person or grandparent God-likeness is for every part of what you do. And when we become like God in our lives, and we live out His traits in our lives, we become a picture and a light to those around us. People want to know more about who we are. And so God-likeness is taking place. Even though the promise of future godliness is wonderful and it's certain, God wants us to grow in Christ-likeness right now. I meet a lot of people who claim to be children of God. And I'm sure you do too. Do you know it's possible to live out a form of God-likeness and not be God's child? That's hard to think about because we want to think the best of everybody. It is possible to live out a form of, of Godlikeness and not even be God's child. In fact, phony faith is a sign that is predicted to be the norm in what the Bible calls the last days. And, and if you keep going a few pages to your right to 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want to read a few verses to you here about these last days. Um, many people say we're living in the last days. And when you look at the economy and and politics and the world and all the things that are taking place, we we sometimes think, boy, this is the last days. I mean things are horrible right now. And I, I want you to see the description God gives. Second Timothy three, verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I want you to just do a, a check mark in your mind on every one of these and uh, you don't have to say it out loud but I want you to think when I say one I want you to kind of do ding okay that what that means is it's registered I've seen this happen before this is happening to someone I know or life around me okay here we go verse number two for men shall be lovers of their own selves ding oh you're supposed to do it quietly sorry how many of you have ever met somebody who's in love with him or herself? Could be you, right? You just you know somebody. So that's, that was for sure. Next one: covetous. Another word for that is greedy. You guys ever heard of Wall Street? <laughs> you guys ever heard of um, politics? What well, greedy for power? Covetous. Another one, boasters. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. People who say that there is no God, but the only thing that they can come up with to curse is God's name. Isn't that amazing? I don't believe there's a God, but God, and then they say damn, and then they say it. Listen to me, if you don't believe that my God's real, then please don't take his name that way. Uh, Why do you have to say, oh my God, about everything? Why don't you say, oh my stars, or oh my ankle? When I get mad, I don't say, oh my Buddha. (laughs) Oh my Hindu. (laughs) Oh my Confucius. Now listen, I'm being real. We live in the age of blasphemy, and it's everywhere around us. It's in your workplace, it's in your family, and as Christians, we better watch out that we don't propagate it to the next generation. If one of my kids at home even says, oh my gosh, they get stopped in their tracks, because the very close thing to that is, oh my God. And uh, there are all kinds of ways that we transfer those things around. And I'm not condemning you if you say, oh my gosh. I'm not condemning you today. What I'm saying is, we live in an age of blasphemy. We live in an age where it's popular to mock God. People who don't believe in Jesus Christ say his name all the time. Go figure that. Here's what it means. They really do believe in him. And they're just defying him. See, I I don't believe that God believes in atheists. God knows that on the imprint of every human heart is a creator. God knows that. Blasphemers. Here's another one. See See if this rings a bell. Disobedient to parents. Now, I hear some inside the heart. Ding, 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 ding. Going off right now. (laughs) <laughs> dang yeah they're waving you can't, you're 16 you are disobedient to parents don't raise your hand right now that's the bad time disobedient to parents sign of the last times another one, here we go unthankful people are rioting in Greece because minimum wage is being cut down 20% people are rioting in Greece because they don't get as many perks as they used to We live in an unthankful world. Unthankful. Next one. Unholy. See if this one rings a bell. Without natural affection. Read the goals of the Communist Party from 1958. Their number one goal was to make homosexuality the norm in the United States of America. You know why? Because it would destroy every other fabric of morality without natural affection. You say, Pastor, you are against homosexuals. No, I'm not. Homosexuals and every person in this room, including me, is a sinner who needs Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to preach against any other sin without being equal in it. I just tell you off the top of my head that adultery has done just as much to destroy morality in America As homosexuality. Next one, truce breakers. People who do not keep their covenants. False accusers. You ever heard of the internet? Incontinent. That means without self-control. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. That means they think they know everything. High-minded, full of pride. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, how many of you came up with a few dings right there? Now, I want you to look at the very next verse. This puts it all together. This is talking about people with these traits. Last-day traits. A lot lot of traits we have in our own lives. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away you know jesus said it best when he called to the people in luke 6 and he said why call ye me lord lord i do not the things i say if i am your lord why don't i see the reflections Why don't I see any God-likeness in you? We've talked about the fact that none of us are godly on our own. We are born ungodly and condemned. God-likeness comes through Christ alone, as we sang a while ago. The question I have for you is this. Are you a reflection of Jesus Christ in your life? Have you ever received his gift of life and likeness? And if you are a believer in Christ and you do claim Him as your Lord, are you becoming more like Christ every day? Well, that ought to be the goal. We're, we're, we still have problems. We're still sinners, even after salvation. We still have things that, that we struggle with and weights and sins, the Bible says, that beset us. But we ought to become more like Christ. That's what God likeness really is and we followed it all the way through the scriptures today and you can really figure out which one you are um you're not in the likeness of god when you're born for sure because you're born in the likeness of adam and so you're in the likeness of adam or you're in the likeness of god's son those are the only two options you are either still living under the image of adam with a spirit and a soul that will die for all eternity, or you have been saved by the grace that Jesus offers. And I hope that God will work in each of our hearts today about this godlikeness. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow, let me ask you this today.